Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Well, this is fun. It's good to be sharing again. Good to kick off the new series on invitation. I feel like um, uh, the, one of the Australian opening batsmen um, and I've written, we haven't been doing so well there, so your prayers would be appreciated. Uh, we, um, the culture of invitation. I want to ask you to think for a moment of the best party you've ever attended. The best party you've ever gone to. Okay? A few years ago, I was working for an organisation that had a corporate partnership with the City of Sydney, the, the City Council of, of the City. And um, my CEO at the time was going away. And he said to me, John, would you be interested in taking the tickets and going along to this New Year's Eve function that I can't make? I said, sure, I'll fill in for you. Um, there's two tickets. You and Tara can go. Great. I kind of Forgot about it, and um, then the RSVP started coming through two, three times. Okay, I should get onto that. Finally responded and accepted the invitation, got our passes, and they asked for some more personal details to, for security reasons and things like that. We got to the night, we got to New Year's Eve, and uh, we got dressed up. Tara looked fantastic. Uh, I did my best, and uh, we um, picked up our invitations, our, our, our cards, and, and we caught the train into the city. And as we went over the Harbour Bridge, we looked down, and you'll know this sight, the swelling sea of people, somewhat sweaty in the middle of summer and some partly drunk. And this fear comes over me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, do we turn around now and head back? But we thought, no, we'd outsourced our kids for the night, and uh, we had these... these uh, tickets to the party, so I thought, okay, we're going to make the most of this. Uh, we get off, and uh, these passes were magical. We got to go through every security check from Wynyard to the Opera House without an issue. You kind of would go to a, up to a security checkpoint, and they just wave us through. At one point, there was this long queue going into this really busy area, and they just waved us around the edge. It was like we had magic passes. It was fantastic. We got down to the opera house where the, the party was going to be and we were ushered around the side and we came down along the far side of the opera house and around the corner and there's the Lord Mayor welcoming everyone and saying, hi, welcome to my New Year's Eve party. Come and have a drink. And there were waiters everywhere and food and a big long bar. It was fantastic. And so we... We had a great time. We were watching the acrobats going up and down ropes and the ABC were live broadcasting. So they had all the... Um, all the and is there, you know, the ones you recognise their face but you don't know their name. Um, and so we, we had a great time singing, you know, singing, dancing, watching the fireworks, uh, eating, drinking, catching up with friends. It was a great night, really good night. And then about 10pm, we hit our young parent fatigue, kind of, uh, and called it a night and, and went home, left the party. Um, there are lots of parties that we have in life, 
isn't there? There's birthday parties. There's uh, graduation parties, retirement parties, work Christmas parties, they're memorable, housewarming parties, Melbourne Cup parties, baptism parties, pool parties, and of course, wedding parties. And that's what I want to focus on today is a story that Jesus told in Matthew 22. If we've got the slide there, uh, it'll come up for you in a moment. The parable of the wedding banquet. I think it's the next one. Let's read together. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized, uh, sorry, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. When Jesus shared this parable, uh, he wasn't responding to a question from the crowds. He was speaking to what was probably everyone's thoughts. He was, there was, nothing had been spoken directly. Tell us what the kingdom of God is like. He was just responding to what everyone was thinking. And it's quite amazing. He uses one story and is able to talk to two very distinct groups. The first group is the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They... Uh, would have identified and hopefully been challenged by those who are hard-hearted, too busy, not interested, and who refuse to come to the wedding banquet. For the disciple listening, they would have, been, they would have connected with the servant, the role of the servant. And for some of them there, they might have been reminded to what Jesus had done with them previously. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples in twos, asking them to go and preach the kingdom of God, proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. And then they came back. At that point, they were only meant to speak to the Israelites and Jews. If you remember, that was quite a clear instruction that Jesus gave them. And we hear that echoed in this passage. First, the servants were sent out. And the people who were invited refused to come. So, G so the, the 
uh, king sends them twice again until the banquet hall is filled. What the passage is trying to highlight here, what Jesus is telling us through the parable, is that all are welcome to the wedding banquet. It's not a religious group, not one that is, you know, over another. All humans are welcome to the party of God. The book of Revelations at many points reminds us that God's invitation extends to every tribe, nation, people and tongue. And then Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of every nation. That encompasses all of us. Every one of us is invited to the party. Everyone is welcome. So, if we're all welcome, why should we invite? Our society's views have shifted, haven't they? Even this week, we got mud flung on the bride's face, didn't we, in the media? Our society's views towards faith in Jesus has experienced a significant shift over the last century. Uh, Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, recently said that 70 to 80 years ago, there was social pressure to be a Christian or a believer, to the point that if you went to get a, a loan, a mortgage, you had to kind of prove your, your networks. You, know, you had to have your pastor kind of write a letter of good character and, you know, or your, you know, your rabbi or whoever it was. You had to have social networks within the church framework. Okay, to prove that you're someone upstanding and worth lending money to. 40, 50 years ago, he says that it, it shifted and it, it kind of tilted a bit and, and things leveled out where we kind of got mutual respect, you know, we, where, and that was it. It wasn't social pressure to be a Christian. It was just like, it's okay, you know, we, we accept your ethics. Your ethics are okay. We'll, we'll go with that. But then today, it's almost a social cost to be a Christian or believer. It's costing us, where our beliefs and our views are widely being rejected. That makes extending an invitation as servants very difficult, doesn't it? We have to overcome quite a bit of fear, overcome a number of other things, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. In the passage, the parable here, the king, God, is preparing a wedding banquet for his son, Jesus, and he wants everyone to know they are welcome. It hints at the long-promised union between Christ and us as his bride. This is the coming together. Now, if, you had, if you'd been waiting for a long time to marry someone, or if you had a very long... to meet the right person, or a long wait, uh, a long engagement, um, think again, because Jesus is longing to be with us. He's longing for this union to happen. He's longing for the wedding party to start. We're not quite there, but we get glimpses of it now. He's longing to talk with us, eat with us, be fully with us, just, just hang out with us, to be close with us. The eternal promise of being with God is heavenly. He describes it as a party. Yeah? How, how fun is that? That's his description. That's what Jesus, the Son of God, is saying. This is what 
the kingdom of God is like. It's like a party. But sometimes our evangelism, our efforts to invite people to explore faith in Jesus, doesn't always sound like a party, does it? We kind of turn it around. We talk about other things. We focus on hell sometimes. And we almost beat people over, a, over the head with a stick, a verbal stick, saying, if you don't believe, you'll, you know, do you know where you're going? Now, all of you have suddenly got slightly uncomfortable. He's talking about hell. No, I'm... This passage does talk about it. But he talks about it in a very interesting way. I think what this parable highlights is more the, that hell is about missing out on the party and not getting in. Reject what happens to those who reject the offer, the invitation. It's almost like the worst case of fear of missing out and for anyone under 25, FOMO. Okay. If you read Luke chapter 16, there's an interesting story there of uh, a rich man and a beggar. The beggar, we find out his name is Lazarus. Uh, the rich man and the beggar both die. The rich man goes to hell and the beggar goes to heaven. And what's interesting is how the rich man describes hell. He describes it as, as agony, as torment. And he wishes he could go where God is, where Lazarus, the beggar, is with the angels. He can see them. He can, taste, he can see them, but he can't participate. And the angel turns to him and says, there is a great chasm that, you can, that we cannot divide. We, we, cannot, we, cannot, we cannot cross this chasm, he says. And we hear it in this story as well, at the end of this parable, where the man who doesn't wear the right clothes is tied up and thrown out and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We weep and we gnash our teeth when we miss out on something as beautiful as a heavenly party with the King of Kings. The reason we need to invite is so people don't miss out on that wonderful union with Christ and the greatest wedding banquet in history. How do we invite then? Psalm 51 verse 12 reads this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I don't know about you, but for me, I sometimes forget the joy of my salvation. Yeah? I, I let it lapse. That, that intoxicating, all-consuming love that I once had for Jesus. It waxes and wanes. But this prayer from Psalm 51, it says, restore it, Lord, restore it. And I think for some of us here today, we need our joy, the joy of our salvation restored. At a start, that's where we start. If we want to invite others to the party, we need to be reminded of the joy of why we participate, why we accepted the invitation. For me... I 
became a Christian at the age of 13. So 25, 26 years ago, I was on a youth camp. My dad was the chaplain. Another, um, my, my brother's um, godfather was the guest speaker. And there was about 80 kids on this youth camp on the far south coast. And during a small chapel service, we were asked, who would like to accept Jesus into their heart and commit to following him for the rest of their life? And about six of us stood up. And that was wonderful, wonderful, great decision to make at 13. It lasted a whole of about, well, lucky if it was 12 months. Uh, Within the next year, a number of challenges came up and our family moved from uh, one city to another and I had to change schools. And I had to leave the youth group that I was in and find another. In fact, there wasn't one at the church that my, my, my dad was an Anglican minister so, and there wasn't a youth group at this, this church. And so I struggled. I struggled with my faith. At the school that I went to, it was an all-boys school, uh, God bless them, a Catholic school, God God bless the Catholic school education system, but I fill in with the wrong crowd. I um, fill in with a really rough crowd. I was just seeking acceptance, and they were the only ones who kind of would welcome me in. Now, they smoked and drank and did all kinds of things, which I didn't participate in, but what they did uh, infect me with was their their, um, inappropriate uh, treatment towards girls. And I, I was in a relationship, and it wasn't a healthy one, and I, uh, I was really struggling. I'd been good at soccer. And what had also had happened in that, in that year is I sustained a knee injury that meant I had to take a whole season off and I couldn't play soccer for a year. And uh, that had been uh, my main thing. You know, I really was quite driven at, at football. And so I'd lost my soccer. I'd changed schools, fallen in with the wrong crowd. And my faith dropped. And I'd asked my mum and dad for my 16th birthday for a particular CD. Um, For anyone of uh, my age demographic, um, it it was a band called DC Talk. Does anyone know that band? Oh, phew, I'm not alone, great. Thinking I was going to be alone on that one. And uh, this particular album, uh, Jesus Freaks, was the album. And on there uh, was a song called In the Light. Uh, And the lyrics go something like that. I want to be in the light where you're in the light so I can shine like the stars in the heavens. O Lord, be my light and be my salvation. All I want is to be in the light. And as I played that track for the very first time, I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me and I started weeping. And I went, Lord, I've walked so far from you. All I want is to be in the light. I want to come back to you, Lord. And on my bedroom floor at the age of 16, I recommitted my life to Jesus. And I, and I have passionately pursued that commitment since. It was a much more serious commitment than my first. But I have taken it seriously. And I've come... Uh, 25 years, he has taught me so much in the bumps, you know, that come in the road, right? You, so many of you are much more, have been walking with the Lord longer than I have. Uh, and I have much to learn from you. The thing about inviting people that I think Jesus wants to convey to us is it's a joyous act. Yeah? This is something that we should delight in, not be afraid of. Yeah? Restore the joy of salvation. Let's remind ourselves of those 
early days when you first committed yourself to the Lord. And restore, ask the Lord, restore that joy. But there's a second part. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Ask the Lord to give you a willing spirit to sustain you in this cause that he has called you to. The other piece of scripture, just briefly, that I'll, I'll just talk to, if you recall in John 4 where Jesus has an encounter with a woman by the well and afterwards that woman goes into the Samaritan village and invites pretty much the whole village responds and, and makes this commitment, you know, and they invite Jesus to stay for two days and teach them more and, and, and it transforms uh, this village. It's quite an amazing story. At the end of that interaction, uh, he's unpacking it with the disciples and Jesus there refers to the harvest. You know, the harvest is ripe, he refers to it. And, and he, he refers to a couple of roles, the sower and the reaper. And he says that some will sow and others will reap, but he, he also says they will sow and reap and be glad together. Yeah? It doesn't matter whether we're sowing just sowing seeds, hey, just want you to know Jesus loves you, God loves you. You know, it doesn't matter whether we're actually praying prayers of commitment and salvation. Whatever role we're playing in someone who doesn't know the Lord, we should do it gladly together. Yeah? There is a joyous activity that God is inviting us to participate in. And that is inviting people to the party, to the great wedding banquet. Now, the task of inviting people, it means we will have some rejections. Yeah? And this parable from Matthew 22, it highlights that. Yeah? It doesn't matter whether we go twice or three times, some people will reject our invitation. But I want to give you a little bit of hope. There's some statistics that were released about two years ago about Australians and their receptivity to the good news of Jesus. And about 27%, 30% of Australians would warmly welcome an invitation if they were invited. And there was a whole bunch of other research done and when we looked at it, we realised actually we're just not inviting People are open to being invited. Yeah, one in three people will welcome that invitation. Two out of three may not. Okay, and, and that's, that's, we've just got to accept the reality. But our role is to be servants, to be faithful stewards to the task that God, the King, has given us. The other thing that the parable says is that the servants uh, went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the good and the bad. So by round three, they're getting desperate, but they're inviting widely. They're throwing a net out. They're fishing with nets. They're not fishing with rods. Yeah? They're saying, hey, come, come. This, you've got you've to attend this party. You've got to be in, an, in the wedding banquet. They gathered all the people they could find, good and the bad. There was no bias. 
There was no, oh, yeah, look, they might, they might accept, but they probably won't, so I won't invite them. No, no, I'm going to take a risk here, and I'm going to invite them anyway. I want them in. I want them in. I don't want them to miss out. So how practically can we joyfully invite people to this wedding banquet? How can we do it? In this current climate where, you know, Christianity is on the nose, how can we do this? I'd say the number one thing we can all do is just be a really good friend, a really good trusted Christian friend to those who, we, who don't know the Lord. Yet yeah? we may not even have to, like, take, you know, kind of give yourself some time, okay, to build friendship, a trusting friendship with your neighbours, Maybe it's someone else at your workplace. But just build some friendship first. Trust is what's missing in the equation today. That's what's been removed from 70, 80 years ago. They trusted the church. Now we're, we're not so trusted. So we need to restore trust. So let's be people, reliable friends that people can trust. Let's... To, to add to that, let's offer hospitality. Let's open our homes. Let's eat together. Let's share meals together. If there was anything, by contrast, if you look throughout the history of the church and you look at the contrast of what the church is facing today and what uh, the church faced in history, the closest, closest example we can see is probably the Roman Empire around 300 AD when the church, just before the church became a formal religion. The Christianity became a formal religion, 312 AD. The, just before then, there was, in Rome, there were enclaves of religious groups living throughout the city. So there was a Jewish quarter, there were other sects, there were other religious. Everyone had their own religions. If you were a, a silversmith or a, a leathersmith and leather worker, you would have your God to leatherworking or silvermaking. Uh, if you remember Paul, when he encounters um, Antioch and other places, he's addressing the gods, that, the local gods. So there were all these gods going on, but everyone kind of got on, okay? And everyone kind of, you know, they kind of got on with life, doing business, trading, whatever. The Christians were very different, and the historians have documented this, that they were the ones who would care for the sick or the poor regardless of their religious background. So the others would stay in their enclaves while the Christians would say, hey, no, we'll welcome you in. Come and eat with us. Come to our gathering. Come to our fellowship. Be a part of our group. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, worshipping some idol or God. You know, we, come and join us. And through that joining, that hospitality, there was conversion. People came to realise that there was one true God in Jesus Christ. Hospitality is a key vehicle for us in this time. And thirdly, I'd say we need to be committed to prayer. And can I get the next slide up? If that's all right. Thank you. Uh, we are going to hand out in a moment some prayer cards. Because we want, we want to run Alpha really well in May. But to help us get there... We need to soak our friends and people in prayer. Yeah? This is the most powerful weapon in our arsenal. This is the most powerful tool we've got, is to bring 
our friends to God. So we're going to hand out those cards in a moment. And on there, you're going to find five slots for names. Okay? And we're going to encourage you over the coming weeks to be in prayer. We're going to pause every Sunday to pray for those five friends. We encourage you to put them in your Bible, pray for them daily. You might choose people who are your nearest and dearest, yeah, who do not know the Lord. I was really challenged to hear that last week, that phrase, and I went and reordered the people I pray for uh, in my phone. So I just, just so you know, I've got a list of people that I pray for. The list keeps getting longer for both salvation and healing. So I, I've got a journey to do in prayer. But, um, but uh, I'm committed to praying because I want to see the Lord do a wonderful thing in these people's lives. We need to think of our friends and colleagues, those we see frequently, almost on a daily basis, that do not know the Lord. We need to pray for those we share interests with, who we share hobbies with. Maybe it's a sports team or a reading you know, club, a book club. What is the hobbies? Maybe it's the, the mothers at the, you know, at the school gate or maybe it's um, the guys at the pub or whatever it is, wherever you go, What's your hobby? Think of those people and pray for them. I would also say service providers, those who provide us with the sustenance of life, second to Jesus, coffee. Uh, we should pray for our bar baristas. Yeah? I've got an ongoing relationship with uh, ours. He, he, um, he, in fact, this is funny, uh, he, he wanted to... Um, come and work for us in our office. I work in a co-working space, all Christian ministries. He, he wanted to leave his work as a coffee maker to come and work with us because we all get our coffee from him and he loves what we're all about, the positivity and the joy and things like that. He doesn't know what we do, but he just wants to work in our office. <laughs> and of course, look for strangers, people, those opportunities, those unique opportunities on the bus or in the supermarket where you can just bless someone and point them to Jesus. Be in prayer for these people. So what is the invitation? The invitation is to relationship with the Lord Jesus. Come and learn about Jesus. And there's a great party we don't want you to miss out on. Why invite others so they don't miss out? How should we invite? By being joyful and generous in handing out our invitations. Let's go to as many as we can. Let's make sure everyone knows that they are welcome. Let's be faithful servants, inviting all the people we can, good and bad, to the greatest party ever. Amen? So let's hand out those cards and let's ask God's Holy Spirit to help us as we extend the invitation widely. Is that all right? So let's stand. Uh, the cards are going to come around. Make sure you get one. If you feel like you want to just... Reflect for a moment on who you're going to invite. We'll keep that up there. Um, but we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. There's a couple of things that we, want, we do want to feel led to pray for. Um, so let me talk to those while they're going around.
my sense, let's stand up, let's stand up, hands ready. We know the posture and position. Yeah. Let's open ourselves to the Lord. We want to pray for our five friends in this service now. But we also, I sense there's some people who need to be reminded of the joy of their salvation. And if as I read that passage out, something leapt in your heart or your spirit and you were like, yep, yeah, I've gone dry and I'm, I, I, can't, I am struggling to remember why I'm doing this. Why am I following Jesus? Then I'd love to pray with you. We'd all love to pray with you. So we would encourage you to come out. Um, and the other thing, there's a group of people. This church is great at throwing parties already. That's why we love coming here. You guys throw great parties. Um, I love the work of Storehouse. We've heard about it. Uh, so um, anyone involved in the Storehouse banquet, Jenny, Lisa, others, I'd love you to come forward. We'd love to pray for you because that's a party that invites people into the kingdom. Yeah? They get to encounter the love of Jesus at those parties. If you're involved in the Excite Ones, Matt and Carolyn, I'd love to pray with you guys because that is an awesome party for the kids and to give the parents reprieve. That is an amazing party. If you've ever come, they've got jumping castles and fairy floss. They know how to party. Yeah? So we want to pray for those parties. And um, the quiz night as well. If you're involved, because I just sense that's going to be a really fun night due to the humour we've seen in the announcements the last few weeks. I'm uh, unfortunately away, so I can't be here. And, but do invite your friends to that. That's going to be a great event. Um, we're going to pray for those people. Is that all right? So, Lord, we ask your spirit to come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're involved in one of those parties, come. And if you want the Lord to restore the joy of your salvation, be brave and come forward. Yeah? If you've... Come forward. We would love to pray for you. There's another party called the Yahoos. If you're involved in Yahoos, that sounds fun. Yahoos, come forward. All right, let's pray now for our friends. Come and if you want to pray, if you feel led to pray for someone up the front here, come and pray. And if you're not praying for someone up here, can you fill in your card? We're not collecting those cards. They're between you and the Lord. Your commitment to pray and seek, contend for them to be invited, yeah, into the kingdom. So just fill in those cards while we're praying up the front here now. Come, Holy Spirit, restore the joy of our salvation. Come, Holy Spirit, 
restore the joy of our salvation.